Welcome to the Eurogamer podcast. I'm Bertie, your host, and every two weeks I find another interesting person from the world of games to talk to. Today, an Indonesian writer and designer best known for Coffee Talk, a very chill, I feel cool saying that, a very chill game about making warm drinks for elves and vampires and werewolves and girls who change into cats and police officers and many more, um, and talking to them about their lives and whatever problems they may be facing at the time. And surprise, these problems are very like the ones you or I probably have. It's a game that mirrors real life and it can be gently quite profound. You may also know him for his follow-up game, a smaller scale project called What Comes After. This is a game about a girl who's at her lowest ebb in life and who falls asleep on a train and wakes up in a spirit world where she will talk with spirits who've departed the world and in doing so, maybe she'll remember what she likes about it and what she likes about herself. Mohammed Fahmi, welcome to the show. Thank you. That that was a really amazing intro. Like, ah, oh, thanks very much. You, you, you describe my game better than I do. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So I um had missed Coffee Talk when it came out. So I've been playing it this week actually oh, in preparation. Nice. So it's fresh in my mind. Did I pronounce your surname okay there? Yeah, yeah, that's true. And just FYI, uh, Indonesian don't really have the concept of first name and last name. So okay. my last name is my nickname. I see. Yeah, it's not really my family name. It's my nickname. Well, I'll let you in on a secret. Bertie's not my real name either. So. <laughs> oh, damn it. <laughs> my real name's George. No, it's, it's not. It's, it's Robert. So it kind, of, it kind of gets there. For people who can't see uh, Fami, who um, are listening to this, he sat in a wonderful uh, library almost, <laughs> surrounded by books and figurines, which I can't quite make out because of the resolution of the, of the camera but it looks like a room of inspiration. Is this, is this where you write? Yeah, this is where I sleep, play, work, watch movies, basically everything except for eating. I don't eat in my room. And okay. maybe go to the toilet as well. Are you sure about that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I have a toilet, proper toilet at home. <laughs> Which is your, do you have a favorite book or a favorite figurine? So, uh, I'm pretty proud with my Final Fantasy IX collection. So any, anytime I found new figurines or books, even like some Coca-Cola Final Fantasy co collection, I, I just try to get them all. As for the books, I guess, um, oh, this is hard because I love it. I think my favorite <laughs> one is uh, a manga series called Oyasumi Pun Pun. Good night, Pun Pun. Okay. Uh, it's, it's like a pretty existentialist story. But okay. it's it's funny, dark, and just like make you, it breaks you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's one of my main inspiration too for my games. <laughs> okay. I don't know if that is a recommendation or not. But it... <laughs> so... I was also expecting to see on your camera some cats. Now, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll explain this because I was looking on your Twitter feed in a, a researchy way, not a stalkery way. And I saw you talking about cats, about having lots of cats. And by lots of cats, I mean like 27 cats. Yep. I mean, like, you... officially, we have one cat. 
Right. And then there's one freeloader who decided to just like give birth, give birth twice in our home. So they're like one official cat that uh, that is allowed to enter any rooms at home. Right. There are like five or six cats that are allowed to enter the home. And there are around, I think, 15 or 16 cats living uh, on our yard. <laughs> wow. So it's like a tiered <laughs> membership system. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Social class. <laughs> <laughs> so what I was reading on your, your Twitter feed was that people have just been turning up and, and leaving cats. Oh, yeah, exactly. Just because we love cats, they decided to just throw away, not even leaving. They use like a sack in the middle of rain wow. and just like drop the kittens. Kittens, not even cats, kittens. Yeah. Wow. The word is crazy, I know. I don't know if you can see, actually. You can just about see. There's a little furry lump just there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and that, is, that is a cat just okay. sleeping just, just next to me. I. So how do people know that you like cats? Do they just see them as they walk past or do they... Do you put a sign up somewhere saying we love cats? I guess because like uh, we have schedule, kind of an official schedule where we just like uh, open the door and like give give them foods. And some people notice it. Some people walk in front of our house and say, oh, yeah, these people love cats. I guess that's why. So how do you deal with them? Is it comfortable? Are you okay? Or is it too much? Do you need to change this situation? Uh, it's, it's a mixed feeling, I guess, because I don't mind because they are pretty low maintenance. Mm, but sometimes if they get sick, I need to take care of them. And it only happens like once or every two months. So it, it doesn't really cost that much. But when it happens, it costs a lot. <laughs> Uh, the food itself, again, the social class thing, we have like, okay, this one is for these cats, this one is for these cats. <laughs> we, uh, so that's how we manage the budget to fit everyone. Well, well done for taking the cats in. Um, I imagine you're giving them a better, a better home so. in life than, than they otherwise would. Obviously, the next game you make should be about cats. It's a cat game. I mean, like, I, I, I always uh, divide games into two categories, cat person games and dog person games. And okay. all of my games are cat person games. As so, it is low maintenance. <laughs> I see. So yeah. that's the definition. I mean, like, I just, I just try to use them. Like, for example, JRPG is definitely a dog person game. Oh, and why is that? You need to... You need commitments to play them, right? Okay. You need to spend time. You need to like, okay, I, I, I'm going to spend 80 hours of my life playing this thing. And if I stop playing it like for a week, I will forget what happened in the game. <laughs> well, yeah. uh, games like Coffee Talk, you can just play every day. Every in-game day is like 15 to 30 minutes long. It's, it's very low commitment. Uh, you don't. It doesn't require much. You not. You don't need to learn anything from the game. You don't need to master the control or anything, and you just enjoy the story. I see. So it's like a cat just dips in every so often, just comes through, and it's like, yep. hey. Whereas a dog's like me, me, me all the time. Yep, exactly. 
Okay, I see. Um, now I understand. So I've also, I've, I've made myself a nice warm drink. Oh, me too. To, okay, so Instead I've... Instead of coffee made, though. Ah, so it's I've tea. made myself a tea with some honey. It's uh, oh. like a herbal tea, so it's got various ingredients in. What are you drinking? Uh, it's Earl Grey. Yeah, Earl, okay. Earl Grey. Yeah, yeah. That seems like a very... I don't know, almost British. British. Kind of. <laughs> yeah. It was a gift, and I don't want to drink coffee. I mean, like it's 8 p.m. here right now, and okay. I should not drink more coffee. <laughs> But people in your game drink coffee at like midnight. Oh yeah, I I did too. But yeah, that's why I I have a very bad sleeping schedule. I guess. Yeah. I see. So because I'm I'm drinking a tea specifically it's something called a yogi tea it's got Ruri Bosch vanilla and something else in it I think I, 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 I've had that before yeah okay and I've whacked a load of honey in it because everything with honey uh, tastes yep. better apparently so what does that say about me if I'm a character in your game what character am I and what does my drink choice say about me well you want something sweet but you don't want sugar I guess Uh, I'm just making shit up right now, but feels <laughs> <laughs> like you still want the normal thing, but you don't want to do like the bad way people have been doing all this time. Like normally, people who wants to drink sweet sweet drinks, they add sugar, but you just honey. That's the biggest bullshit I just said this weekend. <laughs> But it's kind of accurate in a way. So, your um, drink choice—you're uh, drinking Earl Grey. Earl Grey. What does that say about you? In fact, forget that for a second. Let's talk about which character you would be in Coffee Talk. Oh, it's, the answer is super obvious. I literally wrote Freya based on myself. Okay. I mean, like uh, there are like eleven characters, and every single one of them are some kind. One way or the other, they are part of me, but I put more of myself in Freya. Even Because... uh, we, we even shared birthday. Oh, really? Because yeah. she says all these kind of things through. I, I was reading some of your uh, short stories on your Medium uh, page, and some of these stories are based in coffee shops, and they're saying the same kind of thing like i know the person who works here they'll let me they'll let me stay late if uh if i want to now i don't know if the stories are always about you but uh, i suppose in part they're kind of about you and freya says so many of these things and she likes to write there she likes staying up late so you're freya that makes sense exactly and the funny thing is uh for the characters of coffee talk we decided that To make things easier, uh, we, uh, I mean, like, I wrote the characters kind of based on their astrological sign. Ah. Yeah. So, I mean, like, Freya was based on myself, but then the other characters, I What's saw... What's your astrological sign? Aquarius. Aquarius. Okay. I don't know much about horoscopes. Um, <laughs> I mean, like, people what... who knows about horoscope will say, of course he is Aquarius. Okay. <laughs> I am a Scorpio for what it's worth. Oh. So I know I'm naturally evil, so yeah, be warned. Yeah, yeah. All of my exes are Scorpio, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> We're good friends, though. <laughs> it's a good job they're exes. 
Uh, anyway, yeah. So basically, we decided to use. I I tried to look the characters in my then colleagues, people who work at Toge, and it's like, hey, I guess Rachel kinda feels like our programmer, so uh, she's kinda based on the. I mean, Rachel might be a different case because she's a real person. Yeah, Rachel in the game is a real person, by the way. Okay. Uh, <laughs> And like for this character, I tried to put my colleague and then we even have like a role play session where I just give them, okay, you're going to talk about this and just talk and I will record everything and put them in the game. Oh, wow. Was this a, a regular thing or was this a, a one-off uh, thing? No, it's kind of regular, but we did this like like in the later half of the development because it took it took me so long to finish writing the stories, right? And we kind of need to find a solution to make the characters feel more believable. Because in the early draft of the game, one of the main feedback was all the characters sound the same. Like we have 11 characters and everyone sounds like me. And that's ah. not a good thing. So <laughs> that's why we decided to do this, that uh, role play session in the office. What what was the role play session like? Could can should we do a role play session right now? I mean, it's kind of hard uh, to do because uh, what we did back then is I already know the story of the game, right? I already right. have like the plot of the game. What's going to happen? What will they talk about uh, in the fourth day of the game? And I just like okay, in day four there will be these characters. So I will call all of my colleagues like, hey, are you free? Are you free? Are you free? Let's go to the meeting room. And then you will be this character. You will be this character. You'll be this character. We're all going to talk about this thing. And just, I will record everything. And then I transcribe it. And I did it. And it becomes a dialogue in the game. That's a really good way of doing it. Was it helpful? Oh, man. It's, it's like, like literally, I think 60% uh, of the game was written that way. <laughs> 60% of the final version of the game. <laughs> it's really nice because, as you mentioned, it must be a problem if you're writing all the characters yourself because yeah. it, it, it's just you, right? And you can, as much as you try to be someone else, it's still you being someone else. Exactly. And it's kind of shown because uh, when we first show the game to other people, they like Freya the most because okay. that's the most honest character i I wrote in the game. That's literally based on myself. That's the she's the easiest character to write, and it kind of shows from the feedback. So that's why we need to have persona based on other people. That's not myself. So, if Freya, well, Freya is based on you. This hanging around in coffee shops and and writing. Now, I've never really understood the coffee shop thing. I I don't mind coffee shops. I, uh, but I've never worked in a coffee shop. Can you explain it to me? What's the attraction of a coffee shop? Why do you go there to write? Um, I guess they just... Most coffee shops were designed to be something, someplace that feels comfortable. Yeah. It feels calming. It feels, I don't know, relaxing. Hmm. And... That's how I felt about coffee shop anyway. And um, kind of happens like, I think it happens five 
around five or six years ago when I started to found a new ha- hobby. Uh, so I spent almost every Saturday uh, checking new coffee shops I found ah. online. Until one time I found this one coffee shop, uh, which I then visit regularly up until the pandemic started. Like I visited this coffee shop every single day. Even so the barista became... staff doesn't visit as often as me. <laughs> so you became a regular. Yep. And they knew your name and they talked to you? Yep. And I don't even need to order, just like the usual. What, and... what, was, the, what was the usual? Three shot espresso? Oh, no. So Indonesia is pretty famous for coffee, right? We have like, our country is super big and like every region, every province have their own specialty. Okay. So my favorite specialty is from a province called Aceh. It's in the westernmost part of Indonesia. And I ask it to be, uh, so I, I always say Aceh Tubruk, which means grounded coffee. So okay. they use the Aceh coffee beans and they left all the grounded coffee beans inside the cup. Mm. No filters, no V60 or anything. Just left it under the cup. And that's how I always order. Actually, I even asked my friend, like, uh, so he, he's not a regular at the at that coffee shop. I just told him, just say to the barista, uh, Fahmi style. And the barista understood what he meant. <laughs> so how do you drink that? So presumably it settles on the bottom, like sediment, yep. and you just, okay. Yeah. Hmm, I'll try it. So... When you're in the coffee shop, yep. Freya talks about writing a story about people in a coffee shop, which I presume is maybe you writing a game about people in a coffee shop. But do you, are, are you listening to other people's stories? Is that what you Obviously. do? Obviously. I mean, like for the game itself, uh, most of the stories were based on either my personal experience or based on my friends. Okay. Uh, but having spent like hundreds or thousands of hours in coffee shop, there are so many stories there. That's a long like, time in a coffee shop. <laughs> yeah, like a long playtime for a place. Uh, like, for example, when when PUBG was happening, I remember like I spent whole day sitting, writing in the coffee shop and like the group next to me was like, in the afternoon, it was like a bunch of medical students who take breaks, take break by playing PUBG together. And <laughs> at night, it was like a bunch of older people, like not really older people, like people around my age, hanging out, playing PUBG. Okay. There are also, also cases where I was like mm, sitting next to a couple uh, and the girlfriend just found out the boyfriend might be cheating. Oh, man. And I was just like using my headphone. I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You turn the music off, but you keep the headphones on. Like, oh, I'm not listening. That happens so many times. So, yeah, I guess there's this kind of charm with coffee shop. Yeah. It's just hard to ignore. I guess, are those the craziest stories you heard in the coffee shop? Or did you hear ever anything that was like, wow? I mean, like, Things like a mistress wanted to be wanted to come out to the wife of a guy 
it happens in my regular coffee shop. Celebrity visiting, it's, it happens like once a week at least. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, like the craziest thing. I, I'm sure there are some crazy things happen, but there is just too many things happen when I visit that, that place. So, yeah, it's well, kind of hard to point out. Yeah, and, and when you're there, do you have a notebook that you're writing in? Of course not. <laughs> I'm not Freya. I'm not that Freya, you know. Okay. So you're writing on the laptop? Or... Yep. Okay. Uh, uh, I mean, like, later on, I, I start using iPad because it's easier to bring around. Okay. But yeah, most of the time I use laptop. So, presumably, this coffee shop obsession uh, was where the idea of coffee talk kind of came from the funny thing is it's not it was based on bar okay so let's go back in time a little bit to young fatmi and the moment where games come into your life i suppose do you what do you remember about that Um, i mean like as far as i remember i have been playing games since before i can read and although okay most of the time it was like my cousin gave me a controller and it was unplugged. And I just pretend <laughs> I thought I was playing the game. <laughs> but yeah, it yeah. happens. And he's clapping along. Oh, no, no. Really well, oh, definitely not. <laughs> he's not that kind. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, I, I remember, like, I learned a lot about games and anime from my cousin. Uh, I think my first exposure was Super Mario Bros. Yeah, that one. And I mean, my parents also play uh, casual puzzle games like uh, Puzzle Bubble or, ah. or like even 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 when I was a kid, uh, I had a Super NES, and my parents are actually playing with me. Like they 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 also play games at that time. That's unusual. Oh yeah, I mean like uh, my mom played Tony Hawk's Pro Skater better than me <laughs> when wow. I was a kid. <laughs> Yeah, not now. Not now, yeah, definitely not. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I guess uh, my first exposure was... Did you, have quite, did you have quite young parents then? Not really. I mean, like... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, like, even for the local standard, they're pretty old. I mean, like, uh, the age cap is pretty far, but they're not young. They're, they're definitely not young, but they still play games until now. Uh, okay. I mean, not have they played your games? Uh, I mean, they play casual games, but uh, okay. And they're the reason why I can work in games. So yeah, they they they're pretty open about it. Uh, I mean, they they also fund my hobby. Like without them, I won't be able to afford Super NES and PlayStation as a kid, right? So yeah, uh, those two are the only consoles I had. And of course, being in Indonesia, everything relies on piracy uh we don't even we don't even know that original games exist like all we know are this 50 cents games uh that cost per disc like so if i want to play jrpg i need to spend more money than if i want to play like action games that only has one disc things like that and I guess that's, that's uh, I mean, like, my cousin introduced me to video games. I started playing Super NES. That's the one I own. And then I started playing the first PlayStation. I love playing JRPGs so much as a kid. Hmm. And 
do you remember do you remember the games that kind of shaped your childhood um i guess there are two games that i can say shaped my childhood it's final fantasy 9 and the three coden series uh okay. they're just like they open my eyes to the possibility of storytelling in video games because the first five years of me playing games were like platformer, action games, sports, racing, things like that, or fighting games. So they have stories, but, you know, not like in-depth stories. And then I was exposed to, I, I don't play PC until I'm like teenager. So they exposed me to this kind of, oh, how, the, the, a game that have a believable world, a game that, that has a world that you want to live in, game that has like you can get money and buy stuff in the game to make you stronger and so on it has story even though i don't really understand the story but at least i enjoy it as a kid um and those basically final fantasy and Suicoden really shaped me to be who i am today i guess they have a lot of impacts on my childhood and adulthood <laughs> and were these the the kind of formative experiences but these are the big things that at what point did you think i i need to work in games are these the games that pushed you towards that okay so uh uh while my parents are pretty open but video games they have strict schedules right so i can only play games okay. on the weekend or on holidays uh but they also gave me uh money to buy food at school which i don't use i use them to buy video <laughs> game magazines and manga and because i cannot play games every day i spend more time reading the magazines rather than playing the games ah okay like i even have like um i also get internet connection like i can only browse internet like 13 minutes a week and i use those time to like copy paste all the walkthrough from uh, game facts to Microsoft Word, <laughs> and I spent like my weekdays reading the walkthroughs to prepare myself to play the games on weekend. Okay. <laughs> so I guess that's one thing that kind of shaped me to be a writer because I read more about games than playing games as a kid. Right. And thanks to those magazines too, I realized, okay, these games were made by humans. There are people behind these games. Like the names like Hironobu Sakaguchi, Hideo Kojima, and so on. And and by the way, because I live in Indonesia, somehow Japanese games have way bigger impacts than Western games here. Okay. So I, I, I start noticing that, okay, these people exist. I guess I can be one of them. So I start, I, it was around early teenagers. I decided I want to make games. And so... Now, I've read another, um, I, I, I'm not sure if it's a story. I'm not sure if I would describe it like that. But there's a post on uh, your blog where you are weighing up the pros and cons of growing up in Indonesia versus growing up in America uh, yeah. and the opportunities you would have to make video games, to, yeah. to be successful in the video game industry. And you note all these things down about the pros and then at the end there are no cons because you well talk us through it 
talk us through your mindset there. What, what was it like for you trying to enter a games industry so, in Indonesia? Uh, thing is, uh, I, graduated, I graduated from high school in 2008. And my parents know that I want to make games and they support it. Uh, but when I want to study game development in university, uh, their recommendation was just take IT, software engineering. Because at that time, the game industry in Indonesia, in Southeast Asia, it's almost non-existent. Like, mm. there's no nothing heard about video games industry in the region. So my mom told me that, why don't you just learn how to code? You will need to learn how to code anyway to make games. And in case the industry is not ready, it's not it's not grown enough. By the time you need to look for job, you can just join a software house or like a big corporates as an IT guy or something. And I took that advice. Uh, so I studied software engineering, but I still like I still love reading articles about game development and so on. And I guess by the time I graduated, it was 2011, the industry has grown because of Flash games. Like, Flash was so big in Indonesia. Like, I think over 50% of the developers back then make Flash games. I mean, indie games were born in Flash era anyway, right? And yeah. so uh, they started to appear, but most of them are smaller studios. And then when I when I have to find place to do internship, I found out that Gameloft Gameloft has a has a branch in Indonesia. I still have the map, by the way. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I joined Gameloft as a programmer, doing porting for mobile Java games. Like one game, the size is like 128 kilobytes for the whole game. So th- those are the things wow. that I started working on. And then, you can't even get a save file that, that small. <laughs> I mean, the save file was like two bytes. <laughs> wow. And after that, I realized that I'm a bad programmer. Like, I know how to read the code. I know how to bug fix or maybe even optimize. But when they told me, hey, make this feature or like make the control sim for this build, I was like, I don't know how to do it. <laughs> so I decided to move to other division, uh, I become a game designer at Gameloft. Like- what's that like? What what's because that's quite in my head. That's quite a shift. You're like not going to be a programmer anymore. I'll just design games. It was it quite a big change. Not really, because even even when I was a programmer, I still work so close to the game designer to the point like so. The way our team work is like every. Uh, so the studio only do porting to mobile games, right? And there, there are like hundreds of builds. And they divide it into like touchscreen, 1 megabytes, 300 kilobytes, 100 kilobytes. And I have to take care of the 100 kilobytes. I'm one of the programmers that handles that. And each category have their own game designer and artist. And I do the game design for my build because... One is a hundred kilobyte builds. It's like super low priority. Two, the game designer trust trusted me with it. Just, they were just like, okay, you can do game design, so do it. It's okay. You will still need our approval, but please help us with this because 
we don't have enough game designer. And so even as a programmer, I help the game designer a lot. I, I do the game design for the porting myself. So when I have finished with my internship, I was going to continue full-time there. I told my leads that I want to be a game designer here. And basically, I need to redo the test. I imagine applying as a new as a new employee while you are the employee of that company. So that basically was like, <laughs> like at 3 p.m., uh, the HR, hey, family, let's do interview. Okay. For my new job? Yes. Okay. <laughs> and then I do the test outside the working hours. <laughs> so, so yeah, I... I I finally got the job, become the game, become a game designer for a few months. I definitely found more joy doing game design than coding. Good. And then I left. Uh, <laughs> I left because because the thing is, um, the town where where the office, the game love office, uh, existed was it's, it's in Yogyakarta. It's basically like student town the living cost is that where you grew oh no, no. is that where you grew up in jakarta oh, jakarta is the capital city jakarta yeah. is a smaller city like 500 oh. kilometers away okay yeah, the, the name sounds similar yeah but basically jakarta is very affordable town i can get like a proper meal rice soup and like fried something frights for only like 20 cents uh, okay. It's, it's a very affordable. But the thing is, the minimum wage was also very, very low. Like, right. uh, my first salary working in games was $150. $150. And that... A salary? What, a, a year? No, no, no. Monthly. Okay. Even, even so. Yeah. Even so. But that was three times the minimum wages of the town. Wow. <laughs> yeah. wow. It's a very... Weird place. It's, it's a nice place, but the it's not a good place to have a full time job in. <laughs> yeah. So I decided to move back. Ah, yeah? huh? uh, okay. No. So so you move back. Yeah, I, uh, I moved back to, to Jakarta, and yeah. I start working on a local startup doing gamification stuff and so on. And and is this is this Doge? Doge? No. Yeah, no. uh, the startup already well. died. <laughs> like ah. Um. I also started writing blogs. The funny thing is I started writing blogs uh, because of an article in Eurogamer. So, oh, really? yeah, I think it's, it was in 2011 or 2012. There's uh, an interview with Hironobu Sakaguchi written by Simon Parkin. And mm-hmm. that article really, it, it it moved me. It changed me. Like I mean, it's like it opened my eyes to so many things. It was like a very beautifully written article. Like, uh, Simon Parkin really did a good job with the article and Hironobu Sakaguchi really show how amazing he is as a person in that article. And I started writing blogs thanks to that article. And when the startup I work on is going to change direction, and they don't need. I remember the article. I just sorry. <laughs> it's, it's, it's an amazing just, article, right? I was going to ask you: Does it have something to do with a hairdresser? Yep, that um, one. And yes, it, yeah, it, and was, it does. It's, it's like, oh my, it's such a good article. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, 
so the startup started to decided to change direction. They don't need my skill set anymore. And my boss was like, "So, how do you think how how do you feel working with us?" And I know he's going to fire me. I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, so I know I've been looking for new jobs because I don't think I can grow more in this place." And he was like, "Oh my god, thank you for thinking about that. <laughs> it makes it easier." But anyway, so uh he cannot he cannot afford to pay like a lot of us anymore so he has to cut a lot of the team members but uh he knew that a local media a regional media called Tech in Asia so it's a pretty big uh Southeast Asia media covering startups and technology they just bought an indie game website and okay it was a mobile game website but they are expanding to cover PC and console, and they're looking for writers. So my ex-boss introduced me to this media, and I became a game journalist for three and a half years. Horrible job. <laughs> yeah. the, the funny thing is, I decided to be a journalist because uh, because of uh, I heard a speech by Neil Gaiman. Uh, so he shared oh. that. He became a journalist, so he wanted to tell stories. He wanted to write for TV, comic books, or uh, films, and he became a journalist because by being a journalist, you can learn how to write. You can learn how to tell stories. You can learn from the people you meet. I can learn from people that are that are already successful. I can learn from people who have failed, and I got paid while doing all of that. So mm. I became a game journalist. I learned so many things. But here's the funny thing: eh? the more you learn about the game industry, the more you are afraid to jump in. <laughs> <laughs> I always wanted to start my own studio, but I was like, "Oh no, man!" Like ninety-five percent of the studio that I heard in 2013 no longer exists now. So, <laughs> wow! Yeah, so I became a game journalist for three and a half years, and then Toge. Uh, Toge was around. They are they are already one of the biggest studio in Indonesia, and then they decided to open a publishing division. They wanted to help Indonesian games to reach global market, and they were they were looking for a marketing and PR person. I know it sounds weird because yeah, I started my job at Toge as a marketing and PR guy, so I joined Toge Publishing, and they have this internal game jam whenever they finish a project. Everyone can pitch anything, including the marketing guy. He can pitch anything he wants. So I pitch a project called Project Green Tea Latte. Uh, yeah, the people love it, and it became uh, the next full project from the studio. So where? Let's come back now okay. to where did the idea come from? Because Project Green Tea Latte is one of the prototypes I think that yep. goes on to become Coffee oh, Talk, and in fact, I think you can play it on Itch. Uh, now I think there's yep. a playable version. I'll put a link to that in the description. Oh wait, please so no! <laughs> I won't put a link in the description. So. I mean, it's okay, but it, I mean, looking back, it looks it was horribly written, but at least it got it shows the main idea. It conveys what we wanted to present in coffee talk, I guess. But it was yeah. horribly written. <laughs> Is this before you did your role playing with? The, oh, way the before, people? way before. Okay. Uh, so, you said the idea comes from being in a bar. So the idea came from many places. Uh, 
the kickstart was I always sleep late. I always work late. Uh, and it was raining. I was drinking a hot green tea latte. And I was listening to Nuja Bass. And I was like, this feels amazing. This feels so cozy. And it was around the time where the YouTube started to be filled with lo-fi chill hop videos. Hmm. And I was like, I know the channel as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I thought like, how can I emulate this feeling in video games? And then uh, I also remember like I visited Japan a couple years back and I visited a place. Uh, there's a bar in Tokyo, a video game bar uh, called Flashback. So the bar owner, uh, he's a Frenchman who has been living in Japan in Tokyo for 14 years. I think now it's like 20 years. And he used to be a game programmer. Like, he used to work on God Hand. Uh, and I, I spoke with him, and then more people come to the bar. And I met an old Japanese guy, drunk, like heavily drunk, gifting the bartender, hey, I bought you something. And it was like, I think it was a, a Dreamcast CD, like a rare old <laughs> retro Dreamcast CD to be displayed in the in the bar. And I spoke with all the visitors. I spoke in broken Japanese and they're speaking in broken English. And somehow it feels <laughs> nice. It feels amazing. And from those two things, from my experience at the bar and my experience drinking green tea latte at night, Game Project Green Tea Latte. Game about talking to random people in a cozy place. <laughs> and what was the development like? Because I I read uh, a quote from Chris oh, yeah. Anthony, <laughs> um, who was the co-founder of the studio yep. uh, Toge, um, and he said that Coffee Talk quote almost killed our studio quote, which sounds quite dramatic yeah it is it's, um, it's 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 true it's real like what happened we almost ran out of money <laughs> okay uh the thing is toge never did any story narrative based game like before coffee talk toge was known for infectonator it's an arcade game about spreading zombie virus so we never Topical. huh <laughs> well, we never had any experience in making narrative-based games. And we thought, okay, the game, the, the scope of the game is pretty small. We try to make it as small as possible. And we just need, we only need to write dialogues. We just need to write. It's easy, right? And, <laughs> and the, the, the initial timeline for the game was six months. Uh... We ended up spending two years developing the game. Wow. <laughs> yeah, because we don't know how to make this kind of games. We just... That's why uh, for the next games in Togi's uh, portfolio, when the pass was around, it doesn't have any text because writing is just... <laughs> especially because we have to write in English and it's not our first language. Uh, Which I forget because you know, we're having such a, a fluid conversation. Thank but. you. So, yeah, I mean, like, writing was hell. Uh, and then there's also, like, communication stuff and expectation. But... Yeah, so let's... So, this is kind of your project. You're the writer and designer. Yep. 
And as the project starts to stretch out a bit and go past six months and people are looking at you and are like, how, how much longer is this going to take? Yep. Um, it was that, that must've been quite stressful. For you. Oh man. Like one of the, uh, basically the lead artist in the studio, he saw me one day and he just said, I don't want to be you right now. <laughs> Because I look like, even my uh, COO at that time, he was like, Fami, you look like a mess. I know, I am a mess right now. It was like, a, for, for a very relaxing game, it wasn't a relaxing experience to de develop this game. <laughs> But, you know, you're smiling about it now. Oh, yeah, so exactly. You've bounced back. I suppose. You have to. So there are, there are lots of lovely touching moments in, in coffee talk. Um, I was sharing one actually with my partner the other day. Um, one that stuck out to me, it, a young woman comes in after an argument with her father and she ends up talking to a police officer about it, who is just someone who ha happens to be in the coffee shop is not there on like official business. And he's a father. And he says some wise things. And one of the wise things he says is he talks about arguments as being positive things, which uh, I can imagine any, anyone, everyone's had an argument here who's listening or watching to this. They don't feel like positive things at the time, but he talks about them as things or ways of getting to know people. You don't know someone until you've seen them in conflict, he says, or something like that. And as long as you resolve it, that's the key point. And, and I'll remember that. I'll, I will take that piece of advice from a game with me in the rest of my life. When I'm having arguments with people, I can tell them, this is good. This is enjoyable. You're, <laughs> you're enjoying yourself. Uh, but these kind of wise bits of wisdom, did, did, did they come from you or are they things you've picked up? Where did you get that from? It's, it's a mix of so many things. Sometimes I might have heard about them from a friend. Sometimes I might have seen them in the movie but I don't know it just happens like it, it just happens like okay I guess this is what you can talk to people who is facing this kind of problem and I cross check with the team do you think it's good if they he said something like this and if they agreed why if they don't agree why and most of them came naturally I guess simply because I've consumed so many films, games, and <laughs> any other form of stories in my life. <laughs> yeah. What's your favorite piece of feedback you've had about the game? I, I, I see you still sharing bits of fan art now where people are. And I, I've talked to actually a contributor of ours, and she absolutely adores the game. She talks about it as one of her favorite ever games. Oh, like. Yeah, what kind of feedback did you get? What comes to your mind when, when I ask you that? Feedback as in during the development time? Or after? I think more after, the, yeah, after the game is released and people are playing it. Hmm. So there are so many people that said the game helps them with so many problems with their anxiety, with their lack of sleep, like... I remember one person sent me a DM saying that she couldn't sleep at night and she has to work the next day. And then she decided to just boot up the game and she felt calmer because 
si si Saul friends si Saul the characters in the game as friends and it gave her peace peace of mind at least does it make her sleep it kind of does but not directly put her into sleep but uh, it helps her with her troubles and I guess this kind of thing that that's that's stay with me I guess those kind of things of course the the funny thing is I think right now Coffee Talk is like 94% positive on Steam and uh, the most things that I remember are the negative reviews so yeah that, that, that also stays feedbacks like I remember there's this one I won't name names but uh, they're pretty famous bunch of people in games that said the game tried to be horny but afraid to do so <laughs> okay it made me laugh so much like They're not wrong, but <laughs> so when I first heard it, I was like, "What the hell? Did, what the hell are you talking about?" But now, when I heard those lines again, I was like, "I mean, they're not wrong. They're right." <laughs> so yeah, that's just one thing that stays. It's a vulnerable time, isn't it? Releasing a game like that, particularly one you've had such a personal hand in creating and shaping and 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 bringing to life. I um. I was talking to someone who released the game and it surprised me. And they talked about release actually being quite a tricky time to deal with. Yeah, it is. It is did a... you find that? How, how did you, how did you deal with, with release and uh, those kinds of things? By leaving the company. <laughs> <laughs> like, like it's true because um, by the time I was done with my, most of my work at Coffee Talk, uh, I talked like, So funny thing, Coffee Talk came out right on my 30th birthday. And like a few months before that, I was thinking like, hey, didn't I always wanted to make my own games, my own studio, right? It was the reason why I became a journalist in the first place, to learn from people. And now I've been in the game industry for almost nine years and I'm, I still don't have the courage to start my own studio. And then I think like, I'm not married yet. I'm still single. I don't have any like financial responsibilities other than to myself. And I'm not 30 yet, just like a few months before 30. And I actually told my mom like, so mom, what if I stop paying for the bills <laughs> to make my own games for like maybe a year or two? And she said, was like, do it. You're still young. And you still don't have kids, just go for it. And I decided, like after after finishing my work at Coffee Talk, like all the stories are done, all the basically the games are ready to be released. Uh, I even have planned like the social media posts up until me leaving the company, and I already wrote the press release and so on. I decided to leave the studio. So when when they have to click release on Steam. I was not there. <laughs> ah. It's a brave decision. Uh, it's kind of stupid decision, I guess. <laughs> But I will do so, it again. I definitely will do it again if I have to. So at what point do you start thinking about what comes after, which is a double entendre, if ever I've heard one. So are, are you already thinking about a new game at this point? Uh, I, I already have something in mind. So I was thinking of a, an idea. 
Um, so, the funny thing is the ID came from a Tinder date. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, I, I met this girl and she was, she used to be a radio announcer. Uh, and her voice was so soothing, like, so how are you doing? How's your day? And I thought, what if I play a game while a voice like this is always commenting on what I'm doing in the game? And then I start working on the idea, how can this game can be built from this idea? And those ideas become Project Heartbreak. Uh, yeah, Project Heartbreak came before what comes after. Ah, yeah. okay. So, because <laughs> I was going to say, if, if what comes after was inspired by a Tinder date, it's that would, would be one weird. hell of a thing. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Uh, but yeah, so Project Heartbreak, uh, we started working on Project Heartbreak. I start asking some people like, here's the thing, I've been in the game industry for almost nine years. So I thought, I can make games by myself. I just need to invite one programmer and one artist and that's it. And how wrong I was. Like <laughs> the first few months of the project was hell. I basically uh, just like wasted all of my life savings on the oh. first prototype just to prepare for a pitch deck of the game. And by the third month, I was like, we cannot go on like this. No publisher wanted this kind of, I mean, like they love the idea, but they need something more concrete than something mm. tangible. They need something playable. But to make something playable, you need money. And I ran out of money. And so I decided, okay, we're going to make a smaller project. I'm going to invite. So I still invite the programmer because the idea is we have to make something based on the same code engine as Project Heartbreak. So this game will be built on what we made for Project Heartbreak. And when this game done, we can reuse the code for Project Heartbreak. <coughs> so... There's that, and then I need to find artists and audio person. It has to be free. It has to be collaboration because I cannot afford anyone at that time. So I asked, like, I know a friend of mine. Uh, uh, he runs a studio called Rolling Glory. So it's like mm -hmm. a digital agency. They're doing digital agency stuff. But they also made games with Toge in the past. But the game, the game did okay, but not, not, really successful but they still want so, to make games yeah so where does the idea come from for the game is this an idea you've had for a long time or just it's just an idea on demand uh it's a mix of two things so one thing is uh, i think like around early 2020 or late 2019 there's a viral tweet in indonesia about a guy who overslept inside a train and then he woke up and the train was empty. And then he tried to call for help, call the numbers written on the poster and so on, but nobody was answering. So he made a tweet about it. It went viral and then he was safe. But I thought, what if this guy wakes up in the train and it's filled with ghosts? And the second idea is from my favorite scene from Spirited Away. So mm, there's it's, this... It's very Ghibli-like. Yeah, so so in separated way, Chihiro, the main character, went on a train ride. Like a very surrealistic train ride where everyone is just like shadowy kind of people. 
I try to imagine what if we can talk to these people inside the train. And basically, I combined those two ideas and it became what comes after. Because it's it's quite a tricky subject that you deal with in the game. Yeah. A girl contemplating or having suicidal thoughts, even though the game isn't really about that. It's more uplifting than that sounds. It's more about her rediscovering, you know, the kind of joys of life or or the joys of herself, if you like, through talking to these spirits as she progresses along the train. But it's a tricky subject because, of course, people are suffering from thoughts like this in real life. And the moment you step into this area, you connect with those people somehow or, you know, you're starting to deal with real life events that people have lived through. Did you ever feel that? kind of sense of responsibility or that i don't know here's the thing perhaps the the the, one of the main uh main reason why other than the financial reason one of the main reason why i decided to write this story is because i have a friend who experienced what fifi is experiencing fifi the main character of what comes after like i wrote fifi based on her and okay. basically, I I made that game as a some kind of love letter to my friend. Like yeah. this is this is the thing that we talk about in real life. Uh, like whenever she had her um, episode, this is what we talk about. This is how we deal with things. And I just wanted to give her a different perspective. Like, hey, if you see yourself, but from different perspective, like. This is, this is kind of you are all right. You're you're not a burden to anyone. Basically, that's that's the main idea. This this one of the single keyword. Uh, I wanted to tell through VV is that she's an amazing person and she's not a burden to anyone. And yeah. that's the thing that I wanted to say to my friend. And that's that's basically, I. By making the story, I wanted to connect to one person, but apparently it affects so many more people than that. Yeah. D- did your friend play it? Oh yeah, of course. What did she think? Oh, she loves it. <laughs> did, she, did she know? Had you told her that this was? Oh yeah, she knew, and she actually helped me with the game too. <laughs> okay, I'm glad that she. <laughs> She was aware of everything that was, was going on. Yeah, when, so, when, when I first showed her the early draft, she was like, oh, are you talking about me in this game? And she was like, <laughs> yeah, I know. So it, I can't believe it's been a year since the game. Shit, yeah, it is. Damn. It came out, which is, it, it seems like, it, it seems like just yesterday. I suppose it was the weird invisible year that we've, uh, kind of had. How did the game do? Did, was it successful? Surprisingly, yes. I mean, like the main uh, the main reason we started making this is because we wanted to learn how to make games properly from zero, and hoping that the money from the game can be used to make the bigger game to make Project Heartbreak. Right. Mm. The game was more than successful than we thought. 
but it's still not enough to make Project Heartbreak. Like making games are really super expensive. Like even successful game won't be able to afford making new games. Thankfully, we got a publisher for that game too, Project Heartbreak. And ah, yeah. And one of the can, can sorry sorry can you say who the publisher? Oh yeah, I mean, uh, it's Fellow Traveler. Ah, of course. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so the when we started working on what comes after, we made some rules. First, it has to be a short game. It will be five bucks. It will be. <laughs> The initial plan was like 15 minutes long, but then we somehow the game became one hour. Um, the development time should not be more than three months. We ended up working for three and a half months, which is pretty oh. amazing. Yeah. yeah. Compared to six months to two years in Coffee Talk, yeah, this is way better. <laughs> so, so Project Heartbreak... Hmm? So this is the big game. I, I was thinking perhaps it might be something of a, a shorter length, like what comes after, but it sounds like it's a much bigger thing. Uh, can it you is. tell us about the game? What is it? I mean, I cannot say much about the game right now, okay. but we're going to officially announce it in December. Hopefully, yeah. Okay. But it's bigger. I mean, compared to other indie games, it's still like under 10 hours. It's probably like... yeah. Uh, four or five hours long, but each that's for one route, and the game will have multiple endings. So I guess you can say like it has. Hopefully, it will be around like twelve to fifteen hours long game. It will be an adventure game set in Jakarta, and it will be about love, death, and moving on. Are these things topics that are uh, personal to you, or is that? Um, it's because there are a lot of roots in the game, right? Some of them are personal. Some of them are like things that it happens to a lot of us. Hmm. And some of them, some of them are like pieces, pieces of things we know, either from friends or through our own personal experience. It's like mix and match of things. Yeah. Do you ever, because it's, this kind of theme, it's not the same as in other games, but you are tackling themes that, you know, are present in real life or maybe present in your life at some time. And some of the characters in the game are you, some of your friends. Do you ever, where do you draw the line, if you do at all, between what you share in the game? How much are you kind of willing to give of yourself, if you like, to a game? Do you ever... Okay. Yeah, I, uh, it's, it's actually another inspiration I got from the same video Neil Gaiman talk that started my whole career as a game journalist in which he said that once you feel like you've shown too much of yourself as if you're like walking naked on the sidewalk maybe it's the time when you're starting to get it right. So yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, I tend to show too much. In fact, I sh- uh, I think I show more of myself in the games than if we're talking in real life. There are like things that I won't be honest in real life, but I will be super duper honest in, in the story I made. And it's okay because yeah. most people won't, won't connect those dots. They won't like immediately think, oh yeah, this is for me. No, they won't, they won't immediately think of that. They will think this is as a work of fiction. It's interesting. Sometimes it's easier, safer 
yeah. to, to share something quietly. Yeah. And... I, I believe to be a storyteller, you, are, you either have to be a very honest person or a very good liar. And I'm a very <laughs> bad liar, so I guess I just need to be too honest. <laughs> so you've been in the industry for... Ten years now. Ten years. Ten years now. And you've worn many different hats in Too that many sense. hats. <laughs> so what have you learned about making games in that time? What are the lessons that you really remember? Mm. And I suppose from that, what, what advice would you give to someone who was keen on following the same path? Okay, I guess uh, making games is definitely hard. It's hard. It's... It, it will make you cry a lot if you are like me. <laughs> and that's not going to make them want to do it. But it's yeah. I mean, like it's been something. I always love to tell stories. So having be being able to tell stories through games was like dreams come true. Especially when those stories connect to people. Like uh, there are days when I feel super down, and then somebody mm. came to my DM saying that how Coffee Talk or What Cups After helped them and it made my week better. That's thanks to yeah. video games. And if there's one piece of advice I can give to anyone who wanted to be in games is it sounds so silly, but just be nice. Be nice. Mm. It's like be nice be nice is like the best marketing, development, project management, and writing advice I can be I can give because we're Game industry is so small. Like, I mean, like, if we're talking about Indonesian game industry, everybody, almost everybody knows each other. And if we're yeah. going to talk about global game industry, it's the same case. It's like super small. Everyone knows each other. And be a nice person is always a good thing. It helps you in your personal life. It can help you in your professional life too. And... Be nice. I mean, being a nice person is a very good marketing asset. <laughs> and I sound like a very evil capitalist right now. <laughs> you don't. I think that's very wise advice. Almost as if I was in a coffee shop oh. and you were, the, you were the barrister giving me the advice. So I've got a few small kind of final questions, questions that I ask everyone that I talk to. So the first of these is... First game. What was your first game? Super Mario Bros. Okay. Yeah, I guess, yeah. And the second one is best game. What was your best game? It's not best game, but best thing ever is Final Fantasy IX. <laughs> okay. And the last question, appropriately enough, is what was your last game? I mean, like the latest game I played. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, I'm preparing myself for Elden Ring, so I just I finished. Tweet, <laughs> I just finished Bloodborne like a few weeks ago, and I'm playing Dark Souls three right now. Nice. So, Fami, thank you so much uh, for joining me. Thank you so today. much for the it's invite. Been a, it's been a real pleasure talking to you. I feel like I'm going to go and play coffee talk now and try and see you everywhere oh, where, where's he talking about his life what's this where, where is he trust me mo and then most of the most of the things written are like pretty random like sometimes i don't put too much talk in it and i just like oh yeah i think it's nice to be to write this 
I'm also going to try a green tea latte, oh, which I've never tried before. It's the best drink ever. Green tea is not such a big thing here. I mean, it is a thing, but it's not such a big thing. I mean, like, if uh, I would recommend not making, like, original green tea latte just by the sunset one, like the instant green tea latte. It's actually the best kind of green tea latte. Ah, because it's pretty it hard. It's, it's pretty hard to pull if you're making it from scratch. Yeah. Okay, I'll bear that in mind. Um, Fafmi, thank you so much again. And we will look forward to hearing more about Project Heartbreak in December. Yep. Please Bye for now. Be excited. <laughs> <laughs> See you later. See you later. Bye.